Welcome to the Vital Health Podcast. I'm Jodie Duval and I'm a functional naturopath in Perth, WA. This is a place where you can expand your knowledge on how to optimise your health and realise your full potential. We'll have cutting-edge information with expert guests and having lots of fun along the way. Get ready to be empowered and motivated to reach your higher vitality and find your ultimate potential. Let's go! Today I had a lot of fun chatting with Lucas Owen. Today we talk about testosterone and men's health and we give you really key tips to help boost testosterone and we talk around what's uh, so common and why, why it's so common in men to have low testosterone, what's the leading causes of low testosterone and how we can actually optimize uh, testosterone levels. Um, we also talk about the signs of low and high testosterone in men and the key foods and lifestyle habits and even herbs that can help boost testosterone. And we, and we also touch on mental health and hormones, um, and in particular in, in relation to men's health. So Lucas is an aspiring naturopath, a self-proclaimed biohacker and researcher with a passion for all things human performance and wellness. He's an ex-professional soccer player, a formulator for a nootropic startup, and has a background in sports science. He is highly ambitious and strives to share unspoken information on various health topics that would greatly benefit mankind, and he aims to specialize in men's health. We hope you get a lot out of it. All right. Hi, Lucas. How are you today? Hey, Jodie. Yeah, really well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. Thanks so much for coming on and, and for your time spent with me today. Um, and we are going to dive into men's health, which is something that I've wanted to dive into for some time on the podcast. So I'm really interested to talk with you all about that. And uh, you've got an a online course um, and you are also um, completing your naturopathic studies. So that's really super exciting um, as well for you. So tell me a little bit about you. And I know you are an ex-professional soccer player. So how did you get into this line of work? Yeah, well, um, I've always been like profoundly interested in uh, understanding the human body and um, a lot of my research actually stems from a performance-based perspective. Like I was very much focused on what can I eat that's going to help me with training? What can I take that's going to support my recovery? Things like that. Um, and then it just sort of snowballed from there. I got involved in a startup here in Melbourne um, helping to sort of formulate a, uh, like a nootropic formula, like a natural a brain enhancer. Yeah, um, I want to talk to you about that later too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so from there, basically just fell in love with research and then I was just collecting articles, uh, PubMed papers and um, just diving through the research and connecting with other nerds in this space. And um, <laughs> yeah, and just, uh, and then and then eventually I thought, well, it's about time I start my own Instagram, like start my own page. Um, and then about a couple of years back, I set up my ergogenic health Instagram and just ever since then, it's just been, it's just taken off through like very original content, very, very unique and just yeah, offering, offering people a lot of value. That's like my main goal. So yeah. yeah. And I see that across all of the content that you share. It's um, really in depth, in detail and real. Uh, and that research and that real information is so important out there for, for people. And that's something, one of my big values as well, is that people need real information that's been critiqued and um, given them the option to look at some different sides of the information as well. So, yeah, well done. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And the good part about it is that it, it, really, it really doesn't feel like work for me. Like, I, I literally... <laughs> no. Like I'll be up till nine PM, nine thirty at night, and sometimes I'm like, I'm still, I'm still like designing posts. Like this, I'm really enjoying this so much. So it really doesn't feel like work for me. Yeah, it's creative, and when it's your passion and you love what you do, nothing's ever work, is it? Which is fantastic too. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, and so, in, in terms of like the biohacking and the nootropic and everything like that. Um, is there, so there's a nootropic coming and you've helped with that startup. And so what, what sort of, is that going to be a supplement as such, or is it going to be a herbal supplement? Yeah. So, uh, that formula, which I've, I put together and actually I'm like the, the man behind that brand, um, 
it hasn't been manufactured yet, but yeah. basically um, it's a formula called Brain X, which mm-hmm. uh, essentially it has two herbal ingredients, one of which I think you may know. Um, it's typically known as an aphrodisiac, um, mm-hmm. Miraplama. Yeah. You may be familiar with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and the other ingredient is also, uh, well, it's unlikely that you've heard of it. It's, uh, it's catuaba. That's from Brazil. Um, that's actually the chief ingredient in the formula. Uh, and basically that's combined with D-ribose, which is, you know, very good for mitochondrial function, supporting mm. ATP production. It's my bulk filler in, in the formula because it's yeah. actually a sachet that, mm. that people add to their coffee. Okay. Um, yeah, and then the final ingredient is actually one that's heavily used for slowing uh, cognitive decline, and that's found in a product called Suvenade, um, and that ingredient is called uridine monophosphate, and that basically um, increases phospholipids, improves dopamine receptor density, um, and massively helps with like memory, uh, verbal fluency, and things like that. Mm. Super interesting, super interesting. There's so much out there um, in relation to um, the nootropics, but having the quality there is, is the important part and also having it, you know, the, the effectiveness and um, also having people know that it's not just the nootropic that's giving you the action. It's actually, you know, looking after your health from all different levels as well, which is really important at the same time. So oh, yeah. I, look, I look forward to that coming to the market and having a try as yeah. well. <laughs> So let's dive into men's health then. So, um, you know, testosterone is one of those main key things that we talk about when it comes to men's health. What else is there that we, that you look at when you're looking at the whole um, health of a man um, in those specific senses? Um, and why, why are we focused on testosterone so much and why is it so important? Yeah, so I think... I think in general, we can look at testosterone as like the hallmark sort of hormone for men. Mm. Um, it's not the only thing that we want to optimize. Like obviously there are other, there are other markers like, you know, fasting insulin, blood sugar levels, um, cholesterol markers, homocysteine, C-reactive protein, other markers like that. But I think really um, given that there's a global decline in testosterone, it really is something that needs to be um, brought forward and that's really what I'm trying to do and um, and some other functional medicine doctors in the US as well they, they're doing a good job at that and I'm learning a lot from them but um, yeah basically I want to be empowering men to to take control of their of their of their hormones and and really give them the tools and the um, the knowledge they need to sort of integrate that in and and basically you know, take, yeah, take control of their, of their testosterone and, and their other, you know, cause that's going to influence so many other aspects of their health. Mm. Um, so we know that like just by them trying to, let's say we're steering a guy to try and optimize their testosterone. Well, ironically, it's going to help so many other markers in their body just by chasing that one goal. Cause to get to a, a good baseline testosterone, they have to optimize their sleep. They have to get their diet in check. They have to regulate their stress. Like it's going to be impacting so many levels and they're going to get healthier chasing that goal in the end sort of thing. So, yeah. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the common reference ranges for testosterone in the pathology tests here, um, you know, I can only speak for Australia really, but um, you know, what, what's your opinion on that? I know when I look at the, the optimal ranges for people. There is such a broad um, testing range in terms of what it takes into consideration for the population. What, mm. what, what do you say or what do you think about those reference ranges in relation to testosterone for men? Yeah, well, uh, like as I mentioned before, they've now produced that, they've actually shortened the top end of that reference mm. range. Mm. Um, that's because the, there is a global average decline. Yeah. Um, and so that's going to be... The really sad part about it, I think, is that um, let's say you know a 25-year-old guy comes back, gets his gets his blood test result back, and he's sitting like maybe like smack bang, like in the middle of that range of that mm-hmm. reference range, mm-hmm. and he would you know the doctor would you know I'm not 
nothing against um, GPs, but I'm just yeah. saying in general, like yeah. the majority of them may look at it and be like, um, yep, so that result, you're normal, that's fine. Whereas, you know, from a naturopathic point of view or a functional medicine point of view, we really want to see that 25-year-old male with levels where they should be and that they should be really at the top end because at 25 years of age, men hit their peak in terms mm. of like uh, testosterone output um, and, and it's a steady decline every year after. Like they're getting, yeah. I'm not sure the percentage drop, but there is a steady decline yeah. from that. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So in, in relation to then where we should be looking at optimal ranges, um, you know, men should be aiming for a certain range of testosterone across the board or would it be still very individualized across each age group or each person? It's a good question. So in terms of um, what the, per what the guy's goals are, like mm. it's, they're trying to maximize for uh, like they're trying to optimize for like say body composition or, you know, reducing body fat or um, improving athletic performance, then, really I see no dangers of having it at the highest possible end. Mm -hmm. So long as they are controlling the metabolites. So like, you know, monitoring estrogen, because obviously in men, testosterone can get converted to estrogen. So yeah. if they've got a lot of body fat, they're going to be converting a lot of that to estrogen. So yeah. um, we really want to, we can monitor that. And we can, and the good thing about naturopathic medicine and like with our knowledge on nutrition and, and herbal supplements, we can integrate, certain herbs like nettle root, which is excellent for reducing aromatase, um, the cruciferous vegetables, you know, broccoli, Brussels mm -hmm. sprouts, all of these are fantastic for men to um, help to offset that. If they're going to chase that high test, then they're going to have to integrate these foods to help um, keep estrogen in check. We don't want to block it completely because we yeah. know that um, when they use pharmaceutical grade, uh, like, aromatase inhibitors you know like tamoxifen mm -hmm. and other um very powerful aromatase inhibitors in men that can actually have extremely serious side effects such as like um, bone mineral density issues brain issues they lose their libido completely because they're crushing their estrogen um and, and so many other aspects as well yeah i think a lot of people forget that hormones are there for a reason and we don't want to focus just on bringing one of those down or, or, you know, taking one of those out, it's, we need a balance across for optimal levels within our bodies, either being a man or a woman. We need those because they're yeah. equally protective and therefore a reason to keep us in optimal health. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Um, so with the, with the testosterone then, you know, I, I see a lot of um, stress related conditions and stress is the, the key word across the board, I think for health um, most days. <laughs> um, now, tell me about causes of low testosterone or issues with testosterone. And I'm assuming this will be something to do with stress as well. Um, but let's talk about all those reasons why a man would find themselves with low testosterone. Yeah. So let's have a look at, so in terms of the stress to, to cortisol being the major stress hormone, we know that um, guys with elevated cortisol, uh, generally speaking, they have, um, they actually have increased aromatase so they're getting even more estrogen and then they're also getting a reduced production it just shuts down the whole hpt axis mm -hmm. um you know, it's shifting the body's shifting its resources and priorities towards survival not reproducing so then it will shift and shuttle its resources away from um supporting testosterone and instead shifting it towards like survival you know, release adrenaline, release blood sugar, like um, gets you ready to, to move to, to, to fight or flight sort of thing. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely stress is a hallmark issue for a lot of guys. Um, and that definitely ties into the sleep aspect as well. Because, um, you know, poor stress equals poor sleep and poor sleep equals like compromised uh, ability to even make testosterone. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got so many other factors with sleep as well, like the, the, um, uh, you know, human, the, the growth hormone that happens and the healing and the repair that happens and, and the, the removal of toxins that happens. And that all has a big impact on hormonal production as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. big time, yeah. Yeah. 
So what are, what are the other sort of re reasons or leading causes of low testosterone in men then? So I'd say, obviously, like we've got stress, then, then sleep, then nutrient deficiencies is a big one. Yeah. Uh, or just in general, a really crappy diet. Like, you know. Uh, <laughs> the sad diet. Standard <laughs> Australian diet. Um, you know, highly refined carbohydrates, um, high inflammation as well. A heavy metal toxicity that's a whole nother topic mm. um which you know that that there's a lot of research now coming out about certain heavy metals accumulating in the in the actual testicles um compromising sperm production things like that yeah um, what, what yeah, heavy metals are those that's really interesting what, what's the uh, research believe, there for the the types of heavy metals lead and, yeah, I right. think arsenic, and obviously mercury is also heavily um powerfully estrogenic and then also yeah, compromises uh, glutathione which is then going to impact redox status and antioxidant defense as well yeah yeah absolutely and it's it's funny because men will generally you know not saying that this is a, a across the board but generally have more exposure to some that some of those heavy metals due to you know laboring work or work that they're you know doing a lot of um you know making and creating with wood and 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 the, the, their jobs and you know, very physical work and they're becoming or coming up against all of that and plus the chemicals as well uh you know mm. in their job the painting and all the buildings and everything like that so so yeah, yeah that's that's really interesting okay sorry i interrupted you there <laughs> um so so we've got diet we've got heavy metals obviously we've got um stress is a huge major factor with testosterone um and so then what uh, looking at optimizing testosterone levels, what, what sort of um, things would you suggest for people to actually get to that next level of testosterone production and, and how do they get to there? Yeah. So I would say step number one, well, for any guys to make sure that they're doing some form of weight training if they can, um, because weight training in general is going to upregulate the like androgen receptors. Um, it's going to, significantly spike um growth hormone and testosterone so if they can incorporate you know weight training you know heavy squats compound lifting maybe like three days a week mm -hmm. um, and then creating some form of like cardio as well just to help with the um, blood flow and oxygenation um and also ensuring that they're not in a caloric deficit every single day because being in a caloric deficit is also a major stressor. Um, and we can sort of get into fasting as well, but it's, that's a little bit technical in terms of how it influences um, like male hormone status. But mm. in general, um, guys that are constantly in a caloric deficit will be compromising like testosterone production. Mm -hmm. um, and the same goes for being in an extreme caloric surplus, you know, overeating and binge eating and stuff that's obviously going to affect um, their hormones as well. So um, ensuring they're eating sufficient or like healthy fats. I mean, you can get into this is all the sort of stuff that I break down in, in, in my course, you know, I break down mm. exactly which fats men need to consume yeah. exactly which fats they need to avoid and you know, what percentage of carbohydrates they want to, they want to be consuming and mm -hmm. um, also ensuring that they're getting enough protein as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's complex. And I think people, um, and that's where seeking out a practitioner to really support and, and outline goals and, and actually give them a directive to where to go, because doing it on your own, I think it's a little bit tricky and finding exactly where to focus on first. Um, mm. But yeah, I think like exposure to all those toxins as well, but getting the diet right, I think is super important. Um, yeah. And yeah, and exercise. So, you know, a few things I've heard, I don't know if that's um, completely true, but, um, you know, sugar, for example, um, you know, eating some ice cream at night time can drop dramatically your testosterone. So that's probably something people need to be aware of. <laughs> um, the sugar yeah. part of things and, and yeah. then what, what builds it, you know, even mentality. So I know it's not nice to say it on here, but um, I think they've done some studies with pornography and so how it can actually raise testosterone levels or even, you know, just um, thinking about sex can raise testosterone levels. Is, is that something you've found in the research too? 
it's, uh, it's I'm glad you brought that up because I, I literally <laughs> got, I covered that on, in three minutes in a particular slide in my okay. um, course explaining how um, obviously that can have a traumatic effect on um, men's hormones and also um, abstaining from ejaculation can also have an effect but that is very um, that's very individual individual because obviously different guys have you know different levels and different arousal levels and things like that so it's very yeah. it's very um, subjective and individualized in that regard okay yeah and it comes down to um, you know spiritual beliefs as well isn't it so you know the ejaculation mm -hmm. for example if you're a lot of a lot of them think that the life energy then is left out, like left and therefore um, relating that back to testosterone but yeah, I've not I've not seen the research in in, in relation to um, the actual hormonal levels. Um, maybe just um, you know general energy and rebuilding, and that sort of taxes mm. the system slightly. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's it's very interesting to sort of delve into these different topics um, because of the fact that you know you can find a little bit more uh, not information, but then be able to build it up just in a different way, <laughs> or at least be aware that you know what you're doing is not not actually doing you any good um for your particularly for your testosterone levels yeah all right so what are we looking for in someone who has high or low testosterone what are the signs for both of those um different you know areas yeah i think the number one thing that most guys should be paying attention to is um making sure that they're getting morning wood like every day um because that's quite a common thing that i i've screened for in the past around, you know, some friends of mine and, um, and some clients. And, you know, it's quite surprising to see how many guys are not waking up with morning wood. And that, that really should be the norm because um, that's a sign that the body, you know, it's got healthy blood flow, healthy circulation. They're getting that. There's also a dopamine spike in the morning as well. Mm -hmm. um, and healthy um, testosterone as well. So, that's obviously sign number one. It's not the be all and end all because it, it sort of also matters when they wake up because some guys can wake up at different stages of their sleep cycle and that can mm -hmm. that can also blunt the um, the morning wood response. Um, but I'd say, um, got in general, men with higher levels of tests will have um, strong libido, so um, extremely good sex drive. Um, good energy levels, good mood, um, confidence, um, in general, like better focus and better like um, sort of discipline sort of thing uh -huh. um, and better ability to build muscle and better overall uh, parameters in terms of like inflammation itself because and even uh, risk factors for certain diseases like they've linked low testosterone to so many um, different diseases and all causes of mortality really so um, like on the contrary you got low the symptoms of low testosterone are depression low libido um, poor sleep low energy levels poor ability to build muscle um, you know there's there's other there's other things as well uh, have you like you, you would have seen some other in terms of your own um, clinical practice, you've probably seen some other um, symptoms in that yeah, regard? Or? Yeah, I guess, um, you know, it's, it's weight gain and um, areas of um, yeah, inability to focus, I think, mentally. Um, it can be um, seen in that. And injuries, um, a lot of injuries would come out of it. And that would be early stage, I would say, low testosterone, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, that men, because, um, you know, mentality has a huge impact on um, confidence. So I, I tie confidence and testosterone into it as well. Um, and because yeah. someone who has low confidence will also more likely have more stress. Um, mm. That's very generalized, but yeah, I find that that can be quite a common thing to, to see in men. Definitely. Um, yeah. Plus exposure to things like the, um, the estrogens, the you know, there's an estrogens that are out there um, and our life now has been more exposed to more plastics and plastics in the water and things like that. So they're acting as estrogens in, in, in men's bodies as well um, and therefore yeah. offsets that testosterone production, which is, yeah, pretty tricky. Um, mm. 
So with that, with a higher than testosterone, would you ever think that we could see something, you know, super high that would be, and I know we said that generally not so harmful unless we look after that estrogen side of things, but what sort of things will we see in a really high testosterone male? <laughs> well, it sort of, it depends how high, because obviously there's guys yeah. out there that are actually uh, injecting, like taking testosterone, which is... yes. TRT therapy so obviously they're going to be reaching like supra physiological levels which are like I, I guess in general that's where you're going to be running into a lot of the you know the risk factors of like thick blood and some of the yeah. other cardiovascular and things like that um, but if they're sort of maxed out the within the healthy within the reference range you know yeah um, then I don't really foresee major risks associated with that there might mm -hmm. be certain guys that have uh, polymorphisms in their cholesterol markers they may um have issues regulating their cholesterol in that regard but yeah i mean that's so easily managed with like herbal supplements and diet as well so um, yeah yeah absolutely so would you see like a, a complete change in mentality with people who have really high testosterone? Would it be like a real ego coming out? You know, like you can see a man in the street, you're like, oh, he has too much testosterone. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good point. Obviously, yeah. like, like it, I, I do think it would exacerbate the, like the ego in that regard. Um, but I remember my very, very first post on Instagram was actually... Um, a study showing how testosterone increases honesty in men. Wow. They did like, yeah, it was really, really fascinating. I was like, that was actually my very first post. I'm like, Amazing. this is so weird and I want to share it. Yeah. And you wouldn't think that obviously like couples, you know, in general, like um, it makes me wonder how many couples that felt like fall apart, you know, they all, you know, marriage breakups and things like that. I wonder how much of that comes back to, the guy having low testosterone, you know, not, not because he's not performing sexually, but also because of his, um, like his mental, the way he thinks and the way he behaves as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. I, um, I was actually just having this discussion the other day. Um, I don't, I don't know if you've heard of John Gray, the man, men from Mars, men, women from Venus author. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so in his, his recent books, he, he talks a lot about the testosterone and estrogen and, um, you know, between the man and the woman and how the woman brings out the testosterone in the man and the man supports the estrogen production in the woman and the, and the, um, the progesterone as well. And the different stages of the cycle of the woman and then how, how the man can then have either increased testosterone or reduced testosterone according to how the women's acting or treating him. And I find that really fascinating because because the dynamic of relationships, um, you know, and the way that the work, mm. working world is now is that women are more likely to be in a working role and then, you know, men used to be in this working role, whereas now it's a lot more equal. So then where does that leave mm. those hormonal levels? Yeah, I find it so fascinating. It can actually, yeah. you know, show that relationships and behaviours can change hormonal levels as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's super fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So in terms of, um, is, is there any herbs that you would recommend or that you've looked at or looked into that help men with their testosterone production? Yeah. So <clears throat> uh, before you mentioned the, um, you remember you sort of mentioned the, the fact that we wanted that life force, that gene sort of thing. Yes. Yes. The TCM perspective. Yes. Well, actually there is one particular TCM herb, which, I believe is probably the most powerful in, re in, regard in regards to like um, improving androgens in men. Um, and that one's in TCM, it's known as Wu Kong Rong. Um, mm -hmm. But the, 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 the normal name for that is uh, Cistanch. Um, so it's um, C-I-S-T-A-N-C-H-E, Cistanch. Mm -hmm. um, and... This particular herbal, which, which probably, it's definitely one of my favorites. I use it three times a week or so, um, yeah. you know, a cycle as well, because it's quite powerful. Um, and it's definitely, from what I've seen in the rat studies, you know, it's unfortunate that there's no real human studies, but um, maybe one day I can pioneer some of that research. I don't know. 
Um, Sounds good. If you've got the yeah, passion yeah. for the research, do it. <laughs> what we what we found in some of the rat studies, you know, we're getting two point three fold increase in sperm volume, um, like tripling sperm motility, sperm counts, um, just really really supporting overall luteinizing hormone. It's restoring like the hypothalamic. It basically works on um, some key parts in the brain. So like it's acting on kiss peptin, which is like a, it's like an endocrine regulating pathway in the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also modulating some of the CYP enzymes to actually create testosterone from cholesterol. And that's mm-hmm. the other thing, by the way, just touching on cholesterol, you know, mm-hmm. tracking a bit, but low cholesterol is an issue as well. And, you know, we can talk about uh, cholesterol lowering medications. Absolutely. Um, being one of the biggest, uh, you know, that's a major issue because, you know, we're, we're reducing the building block for all our hormones. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, cause a lot of people think cholesterol I, is, is, is such a, um, uh, mis, misdiagnosed or misknown or misinformed, um, part of us, I think. And it's starting to change now for sure. But so many people don't realise that cholesterol forms their hormones, and when yeah. they when you say that to them, they're like, "Nah." I'm like, well, "Yes, yes." That the hormone pathway shows us this. You know, look at it. <laughs> and I actually have to pull out my hormone pathway a lot of the time just to show people where it can get like shunted off to or get produced. Yeah, it's super important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, cystanch is possibly. Um, like number one. And then yeah. obviously there's, um, you got your other standards like tribulus, um, but the standardization for like the, the key constituents that really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously like a poor quality tribulus from the chemist is not going to have much of an effect. Whereas like working with a practitioner like yourself, um, you know, there's we have access to the very powerful botanicals, um, and tribulus is quite good. Um, then we have like pine pollen as well. Pine pollen's exceptional for um, men's health mm. in general. It's just rich in. Obviously, you've heard of phytoestrogens. Yeah. Phytoestrogens. Yeah. Um, well, pine pollen's extremely rich in phytoandrogens, which is like plant-based, uh, you know, um, androgens. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, touching on, on the quality, I think quality is hugely important with all of these things. And, and like you say, when you're creating or um, making a product, it's something that you need to be taken into consideration because it can be whether it's going to be efficacious or not. You know, it's just, it's completely, you know, either or. Um, but with herbs, for sure, it's where they're grown. It's how they're grown. It's how they're stored. It's how that they're, they're um, you know, that what solvent's been used, what percentage of the solvent. There's all sorts of different things that come into mm-hmm. it. So just for the audience out there, it's, it's really, you can't just walk into a, a supplement shop or a chemist or a supermarket and think you're going to get any results from a lot of the products that are there. So that's something that I'm super passionate about as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. With... So I'm, I'm slightly off tracking here, but so palmento, what's your perspective on that? And I know it's more the prostate health, but how does prostate health also tie into testosterone? Is there any links like that you found there in terms of the research? Yeah. Okay. So I'm really glad you brought this up. So <laughs> so palmetto, cause I'm, yeah, I'm really passionate about, um, I like the, the medications that are used to reduce, um, hair loss, like finasteride mm. and some powerful, like DHT blocking medications. Yes. You know, Cause the side effects of those are somewhat irreversible for certain guys. Like for example, like, and these are some scary stories of certain guys that have, that I know that have been on finasteride. Um, and two years later, they've still got really bad side effects, even after stopping. Mm. Um, they're getting the reduced, like they're getting, Erectile dysfunction, reduced orgasm sensation, blunted orgasms, um, reduced erection qualities, like things like that. All of these long-lasting effects um, from certain medications. So in terms of um, sore palmetto, uh, 
there, there are some guys that are really sensitive to saw palmetto in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tend to prefer other botanicals like uh, nettle root doesn't really have much of that nasty suppression that saw palmetto can have. Okay. Um, cause I think saw palmetto may have minor anti androgenic properties, which is good for someone with, um, you know, let's say prostate cancer or some sort of, um, androgen driven tumor or something like that. It can be beneficial, but for young lads, like, you know, in their age of 20 to 30, then uh, I would say, you know, opt for less intense, because uh, saw palmetto is very powerful in that regard, mm. whereas nettle root, you know, Eclonia carba, some other botanicals, which I can list off another time, they're they're not as um, they're not as aggressive in in their DHT blocking effects. Yeah. Um, but you're spot on though. In, when you said like, how does testosterone link in with prostate health? Mm. Um, okay, what we know is that DHT does promote prostate um, enlargement but really it's the combination of high dht alongside high prolactin and high estrogen which really sets the stage for bph and and actually uh, a varicocele have you have you heard of a varicocele i have yeah i have what they've found with um, with varicocele, they actually believe that is the, the, the absolute root cause of BPH in men because mm. um, that enlarged vein that, that's from the spermatic cord going back up towards the body, when mm. that's um, dilated, you're actually getting a recirculation of um, testosterone and it's, it's in that region. And then it's yeah. sort of, yeah, when I came across that paper on PubMed, I was like, wow, no one's really... You know, there's so many guys out there that maybe have, that may have BPH, and the root cause of it is actually like they've got a varicocele, like they've got a um, an enlargement um, in their sperm cord. Mm, um, very interesting. And, and for those it, that don't know, BPH is benign prostate hyperplasia. So that's just the swelling of the prostate gland. Yeah. 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 The good part about that is also with the um, with the varicocele, there's two ways of going about it. Um, they can either get like surgery, like a 10 to 15 minute embolization surgery, or they can use um, a really powerful uh, botanical known as horse chestnut extract. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been shown to help with um, varicoceles and also pycnogenol as well, which is, you know, pine bark yeah. extract. Um, which is quite cool as well. Yeah. They're not um, as commonly um, talked about either of those, the horse chestnut and the pine bark, which is really interesting. Um, And I've not used clinically the pine bark as yet. So that's something that will be on my radar from now on for sure. Yeah. Um, So in terms of, um, yeah, uh, with with the prostate um, and, and the, I'm not sure if you know much about the PSA and the way that they test the prostate specific antigen. Have you have you done any research on that and the viability of actually testing that marker as an ongoing prostate health marker or in terms of any of the hormonal health, you know, in relation to all of that? Is there anything sort of linked up between those? Yeah, do you mean the fact that it, that it can fluctuate sort of thing? Fluctuate, or? yeah. So, you know, some people will have a higher level um, normally for them for themselves or some some will have, you know, quite low levels and then sometimes it will fluctuate up and down. And then, you know, that sometimes brings, brings attention to um, a doctor or a specialist to say, oh, look, let's, let's do something about this. And in most cases, there's not, we don't need to do much about it because it is the body's natural fluctuation from homeostasis and then coming back down into it. Um, is there anything that you've seen in terms of the literature, you know, about this and the, this specific marker? Because I've seen some varying research about it and I'm, I'm not too sure about this specific marker as we can see it as something that we only look at in our blood results for our prostate health. Yeah, well, I, I personally haven't really dived too far into that research, mm. but I guess you would need to look at that you know, from 
other angles as well. Like we want, we'd want to run other tests um, just to sort of we can't be can't be just relying on that one test and using that as the gold standard. Um, there's probably other there's probably other tests out there um, that are probably more effective. Um, in you know, I'd be looking at not just the PSA, but then obviously like some other inflammatory markers like CRP, ESR, and then possibly um, analyzing their prolactin, their estrogen, the DHT. You know, it's it's probably best to take a multi-pronged approach when we're looking at um, if they've got elevated PSA. Yes, that may be a little red flag and we might want to dive deeper. But like you said, I don't think it's a very reliable way of just analyzing that one one marker would need to use it as like, you know, as part of many other markers. Mm, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think we get stuck on um, as a, a medical type of or allopathic type vision of just getting too dug down into one marker. And I think a lot of people then get stressed about that sort of thing. You know, they get stressed about that one particular marker's changed just two points in the last six months. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. We're looking at everything. It's not just that. We have to look at all these other markers as well as how you're feeling and how you're acting and yeah. what your lifestyle is like. It's not just one thing. And I think that's easier to look, focus on just one rather than change across the board our lifestyle and our mentality and our stress and all of those things. So um, yeah. I think that's the information also that's important for people to understand when you're looking mm. at anything to, in terms of results of any sort. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So just touching on mental health and hormones um, and then I'll get you to do a quick snapshot of the best recommendations for men to increase their testosterone. So, yep. but firstly, the, the mental health, how, how can we associate the hormones and mental health and particularly in men? Yeah. So um, what a lot of guys are unfamiliar with is the fact that um, testosterone has many metabolites and other, what they call neurosteroids. Um, so these are basically biologically active um, metabolites of testosterone that are actually playing a huge role in, in, in altering uh, neurotransmitters. So um, one of which is allopregnenolone, which is a very well-researched um, antidepressant. They've actually given it in rat studies to... Um, it Basically, it causes a robust and rapid antidepressant effect and lasts for days after administration. Mm -hmm. um, so when it comes to like, um, in general, like uh, optimi optimizing for testosterone, they're gonna be getting the byproducts of all these other metabolites and that's gonna be affecting mood. And then what we also know is that um, testosterone plays a huge role in al altering and um, sort of uh, affecting dopamine as well. So mm -hmm. that's gonna be having a huge effect on um, their alertness, their focus, their drive, their passion, um, and, and I'm sure it also affects some other some other pathways that we, we haven't even researched yet. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's having such a like pleiotropic effect in the body. Yeah, absolutely, um, and that's where also stress comes in. You know, once once you're you're stressed, then they all have that um, you know massive ball effect of ongoing issues and disruptions and then you know obviously brain health and toxicities are coming into the brain and then the gut health and it's all tied in <laughs> we can get so complex but it does come down to basic health really so what are the the sort of a quick snapshot what would be the, your best recommendations for men out there if you were to have anything to say to them what would what would you say for them for increasing their testosterone or looking after their testosterone Okay, the first and foremost is um, icing their testicles. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did not expect that one to come out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, and obviously I've been interviewed on the radio about this before. Um, so yeah. basically, um, I even created a whole Facebook group dedicated to this practice because I was seeing so many guys come back to me saying, you know how much better their libido is their morning woods come back um they're feeling great and i looked into the research and i'm like okay what's you know 
what, what's the rationale behind this? Because it's basically used to enhance fertility in men. Mm. There's, there's, there's many studies where like they use nocturnal scrotal cooling wow. to improve fertility. And, and even on my Instagram, like I had couples come back to me and like I had one lady come back to me and she's like, you know, two months down the track and, you know, she's pregnant now. Wow. Um, the fact that his husband was icing for 15 minutes a night. Um, and, oh and that's goodness. a free as well. So that, that cost them no money. Exactly. Just more. Yeah. Um, so that's probably number one, like probably the you know, easiest thing that guys can implement. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and obviously like avoiding heat. So then, you know, avoiding using the sauna because I mean, sauna therapy is awesome for detox, but mm-hmm. um, it's also going to be affecting as long as they're keeping their their testicles cool in the so sauna then. Ice pack on the <laughs> testicles and then hop into your sauna. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Oh, poor um, guys. So I'm glad I don't have to ice my balls. <laughs> that's, uh, that's probably number one. Then obviously I personally really like using taurine. Mm-hmm. Um, like I yep. take three grams of, and I recommend three grams of taurine to most guys. Yeah. Um, Cause that's basically a really potent um, antioxidant within, and it basically accumulates in the testes. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is very, it's very good for restoring um, luteinizing hormone and sperm production and things like that. So um, yeah, it's probably number two. Number three is that, that one that I mentioned before that herb cystanch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll see a lot of guys. I've seen a lot of guys see benefit from using that. Okay. Um, and then obviously like, heavy lifting as well, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, um, and obviously the mindset, as you mentioned before. So like, mm-hmm. you know, having that confidence, that, that belief that they can change, that they can see differences in their, in their health. Um, yeah, they're probably like top five, probably missed a lot of other ones that are like, the, the most, <laughs> I think it's a pretty good top thinking? five. I think it's yeah, a pretty okay. good top five. I think people just need something that they can go to and start implementing. Um, and yeah. obviously if they want more detail or directive, you know, see a, a health professional uh, in a naturopath, functional medicine professional. Um, I wanted to quickly ask though, um, cause I have seen a little bit of research surrounding red light therapy. So photobiomodulation and what do you think about nitric oxide? Anything to increase okay. nitric oxide production? Yeah. Yep. So uh, that's really good. So with the nitric oxide, um, mm-hmm. so we have we have many botanicals. So I mentioned one before, like we've got pine bark, yep. um, grapeseed extract, mm-hmm. um, you know, beetroot juice, which is also yep. excellent for supporting blood flow. Uh, probably one pretty underrated food for like supporting blood flow and erections is actually um, arugula, uh, like rocket. Because it's very, ah. very rich in nitrates. It's actually higher in nitrates than than beetroot itself. Really? Um, so, yeah. I yeah. love rocket. Shame I'm not a man. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll Men start, out there, start. get onto the rocket. <laughs> there you go. Start and then you'll have a rocket. There you go. <laughs> okay, that's really yeah. cool. Um, and so what about the photobiomodulation? Have you, have you re- had much research around in that? You know, a lot of, I've heard a lot of guys like putting the red light on their balls and, you know, trying to produce more testosterone that way. Is there anything solid there? There's a lot of, there is actually a lot of research to back okay. the use of, you know, red light therapy. Yeah. Um, the caveat is um, they really need to know um, the distance. So right. like, it's really, it's really technical. I tried to get into it, but I just, I just quit, you know, I just thought it was just way too technical to mm. understand. Um, so distance and time are the key okay. things. So like how long are they exposing their gonads to the red light and from what distance? Yeah. Um, but alternatively, there is the natural red light. The sun. And they, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that come through. On pictures and people are sunning their balls, yes, and their their bottoms are in the air, literally. Yeah, so I believe, well, just from anecdotal experience and from suggesting it to other guys, you know, two to three seconds of um, sun exposure down below 
uh, has had a positive impact. Now, whether or not that's the right nano, like nanometers, like the right frequency, yeah. I'm not sure. But we do know that there's even guys out there that are basically using vitamin D drops on there, mm-hmm. and even vitamin, vitamin K2 as well, because we know that they both yeah. um, support testosterone. Um, so it makes sense. It makes sense that, um, but obviously, you know, we run the risk of, you don't want to cook them as well. So Exactly. They're very temperature sensitive, I hear. Yes. <laughs> All right. I think, I think that's a good way to end the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lucas. That was a ball. That was a, literally a ball. Um, <laughs> I, would, I would love to have another chat um, about men's health down the track and definitely have a chat about the nootropic that you have coming up. Um, and ready for, you know, getting it out there as well into the market. So something that I'm very passionate about um, is nootropics. Obviously, being um, someone who needs to retain information, uh, you need you need a lot of help in that regard um, a lot of the time as well, So which is lovely. So I appreciate your time today. Thank you so, so much. Thanks for having me, Jody. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, a pleasure. I'll see you later. See ya. for listening to the Revital Health Podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Revital Health as well as our website revitalhealth.com.au for upcoming podcasts, workshops and speaking events. Find out about specials happening in the clinic and all the show notes and links mentioned in the podcast. Please remember that this information discussed here is general information and it is not intended to diagnose or treat individuals. Please speak to your healthcare professional before embarking on any new treatments, lifestyle changes, medicines or supplementation to assess your suitability. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you again soon.